Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, my name is Robert. I am the recovery guy. I am back. I am refreshed from an amazing week in um, Florida. Laura and I had a chance to uh, head on down there to a little area called New Smyrna, Florida. Uh, Incredible beach community about uh, 20 minutes south of uh, Daytona Beach. Spectacular. Uh, Loved everything about it. Uh, It's got that Florida edge and uh, a little bit of a seal beach if you're familiar with Southern California. Um, maybe a little bit of uh, Third uh, Third Street in Ventura. Just very chill, very good vibes. Had a great time, got lots of sun. But now I'm back, back in front of the microphone, back ready to share my experience, strength, and hope with you. I hope you caught last week again. Happiness doesn't just happen. Um, was a Tuesday's uh, podcast. Uh, and then on Wednesday, we had a blog on relapse. Thursday was on the laws of attraction. And then Friday, we wrapped it up with stages of change. And this week is going to be exciting as well. So it's, it's incredible to have you join us. Later this month, the newsletter is going to be uh, debuting. I've already got uh, my content from uh, Susie, my friend Susie MD, who is going to do a little column called Susie says, and Susie comes a very unique perspective. Susie is an Al-Anon and a dear friend of Laura and me. And uh, understanding Susie's story of of overcoming adversity and uh, not allowing the distraction to rule her life, but uh, uh, taking charge, just like you and me, in our personal recovery over behavior and addiction, um, Al-Anons and people on the other side of the fence or the table, as it were, need to take charge for their life as well. And Susie is, is such a remarkable story and such a dear friend, and I know you're going to enjoy her insight. So go to recoveryguide.org. That's where you can pull down all the blogs. You can see what podcast channels uh, we're, we're publishing on that Jonathan has got us all hooked up with. Um, you can also uh, sign up for the newsletter. Please do that. RG Newsletter, again, is going to be debuting a little bit later this month. I was going to do um, uh, it bi-monthly, but um, with the other 16 um, uh, programs we're doing, uh, again, four, four fresh uh, podcasts and blogs every week uh, combined, and then times a month. That's 16. I thought it would just be a little bit too much with some of my life coaching and my personal speaking that I go and do. So um, you'll get that once a month. But I'm pretty excited. We're going to be doing contests and promotions and really trying to get other people involved. I've got some uh, uh, interesting people that I've met along the way who really understand and have grasped uh, uh, recovery. And so they'll be featured and guest contributors to the newsletter. So let's get right into the deep end of the pool, right? Those along the way. That is the title of today's podcast, Those Along the Way. You know, every person who accomplishes something great rarely, and I mean rarely, achieves uh, this on their own the value of others, and I'm just going to own this, the value of others contributing in my life 
um, could be lost in the moment. And I, and I don't want that to occur because if, if I, again, I'm going to own this, if I lose them in the moment, I won't carry them forward with me. You feel me? If I don't have them now, they're not going to be moving forward. Again, every person who accomplishes something great rarely achieves this on their own. Again, those along the way. Like, consider this. And any child is better off, most children, let me say that, um, any is an absolute, and I'm not sure if, if I'm comfortable with it, but I will say most children are better off knowing their family heritage. Would you agree with that? Is that a fair statement that most children um, are better off knowing their family heritage? And along with that then, to extrapolate that out to you and me, I believe you and I are better off knowing who is instrumental on our road to recovery. And not just know them on the surface, but know them, right? Know what they're about. Um, Know what they stand for. Know their struggle. Know their point of decision. Know what their early journey was like. Know that they're doing well and they've never stopped on their road to recovery. So as as a testimony to that, I'm going to give you a list of some of the names of those who stand out as significant to me in my life. Now, let me say that the list is much longer than, than I will discuss, but the ones on the list have been paramount to me. So I'm going to just talk about people that I, that I met when I first came in and who continue to have impact in my life and, and to this day shape my life. Now, uh, my fear is, and, and I don't want to be naming people today because invariably I will, I will leave someone out and it may be construed as not appreciating them to the greatest degree. And so, but, but I think you know who you are, uh, social media and our personal contact through coaching opportunities, or maybe we've gone to a meeting together, or maybe we've gone into a treatment facility together. You know, maybe you're part of a Zoom meeting. Maybe we know each other on another level, a deeper sense than just Instagram or, or Facebook. So, if that's the case, you know who you are, and uh, and I love you, and I'm so grateful that you are a part of who I am today. And I guarantee you, just like these people on this list that I'm going to mention, um, I am a better person because I know you, right? I'm a better person because I know you. So not in any necessary order, but there was a guy named Tom B., Tom Bennett. He's passed away. I can use his last name. Tom Bennett was a counselor of, of mine uh, at the Nevada Treatment Center in Las Vegas. And yes, I did get clean and sober in Las Vegas. 34 years later, I'm still living what I was taught in those rooms of A-A-N-A-O-A-G-A, you name it. I, I was pretty much in them all. And, and recovery is strong in Las Vegas. Um, and for a person who's ready, uh, Las Vegas uh, actually in some ways can become uh, a more stabilizing place to 
recover mainly because of your proximity to alcohol. I mean, it's a town like New York. It, it never sleeps, right? Uh, you, can, you can go get whatever you want at 3 a.m. just like you can at 3 in the afternoon. And so to learn how to stay sober in, in that environment with the constant um, accessibility to alcohol uh, in some ways can really, uh, it can be disastrous, or in my case, or in the case of countless others, it can prove just a, an incredible way to help shine sharpen your saw. But Tom B. was instrumental because Tom B. introduced me to the concept of becoming weller than the well. And I carry this, and maybe you've heard me share it, you know, there, there's mountains we can climb, and we can climb even higher mountains. There's no restriction on our depth of wellness or our recovery, and that's the beautiful thing. And that's what Tom taught me uh, along the way, and God rest his soul, but uh, Tom was instrumental uh, in my life. And then there was um, uh, Buddy C. Uh, Buddy has uh, 44 years recovery today. Isn't that crazy? 44 years of personal recovery. And if you wanted to find Buddy today, about uh, noontime in Las Vegas, you would go to a particular club where he is still secretary of a meeting, the same meeting that I met him at at the turning point in 1986. Buddy was instrumental, and I'm sharing these things because I want you to know in how many different directions they come in, so I hope I don't lose you because the people I'm going to speak of touch every facet of our, of our life and, and of my life. But Buddy saw something in me that when I was getting sober and I was, and and I was unemployable, and then I got a job at Fitzgerald's um, Casino downtown as a graveyard coffee shop uh, waiter, and then Buddy was a was a cook uh, in one of the kitchens at the Golden Nugget, and Buddy saw something in me, and he uh, made a recommendation to the room service manager uh, at the Golden Nugget. And I interviewed and I got the job and it springboarded me into a great career into the restaurant business. And, and so Buddy was so instrumental. You know, Tom helped me see that there was no limit on my wellness. Buddy watched me and he saw something in me and he was able and he was willing to stake his personal and professional reputation on what he saw in me. And then there was my man, Eddie. Um... Eddie was fantastic. Eddie P., still sober in Las Vegas, by the way, 35 years. Um, Eddie was just chill. He, Eddie, just very similar to Buddy, just taught me that there was no big deals. It was, it was easy to relax. Um, and when I walked into the turning point and I would see Eddie just sitting there and just being his thing and being in the meetings and being out front where the social activities were. And, and Buddy just, or Eddie never swayed to the left or to the right. He was just, he was just cool Eddie, right? And so instrumental and taught me so much. Then there's Steve M. Steve M, no doubt, still sober, right? Steve is, is up on 35 years in September. 
Steve is actually the manager of the Triangle Alano Club in Las Vegas. You can go see Steve. Go see Steve M. And he's the manager there at Triangle up on Nellis and um, over by Sam's, uh, Samstown. And go in there and say, hey, you know Robert Pardon, you know, and Steve will be your friend. Steve was my first temporary sponsor because he was just as nutty as me. Steve taught me to go have fun. We were on the same uh, Thundercats baseball team together. And so Steve said, let's get out. Let's be active. Let's get out of the rooms. Let's do something. And, and let's make something uh, of our life. And Steve, to this day, is a dear friend of mine, so instrumental to me. And then there was Scott Shields. Uh, Scotty, again, sober, 30, probably 35, maybe going on 36 years now, sobriety. Scott took me to my first nightclub and told me it was okay to go out and dance and have a good time. And, and, and what a great friend Scott was. Scott was just sort of like lived on the, 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 the psychological edge. He was always a little bit uh, uh, more excited than the next person. But he loves recovery. He loves sobriety. He loves sharing his experience, strength, and hope. And Scotty has had his ups and downs along the way. But one thing Scotty has done, he has done a perfect step one. And I'm so grateful for his friendship. He played on the same softball team as uh, Steve and me. And, and it was a great opportunity. And, and to this day, he is my, uh, he's my dear friend. Uh, then there was Texas Mike. Uh, Texas Mike, uh, at the time when I met him in 1986, uh, Texas Mike has passed on now, but he passed on sober. Uh, and, and Texas Mike was instrumental because when I relapsed, um, it was very traumatic and, and like, like relapse is. And I remember I was, I was sober, uh, 71 days and, and I had relapsed and now I'm back in AA and I'm going to meetings. I'm doing my things. I'm working at the time. Max was still my sponsor. I hadn't, um, asked Jack yet. And, and so, um, so, so Max, um, again, instrumental, um, he picked me up. Steve was my first temporary sponsor. And then Max was a permanent sponsor until he had to, to move. But Max, um, when I came back from my relapse, Max sat me down and we did the third step prayer and, and he taught me the difference between needing and wanting. He said, Robert, everybody needs this. But the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is a program for people who want it. And if you want it, I will do whatever I possibly can. And I said, I want it. And he said, good, get down on your knees. Let's pray. That was Max. So here I was back in the program and I'm out. I'm having, I'm having lunch with Texas Mike, with Scott, Scott Shields, and Melissa, uh, Scott's girlfriend at the time. So we were at this Denny's or wherever, and, and I was talking to Mike about how nervous I was. And Mike just was Texas laid back like, like a thick piece of Texas toast. He was just uh, kind of crusty on both sides, but, but, but very palatable. Mike was just an incredible guy, and he just sort of went through life on life terms and uh, lived a great life of sobriety. Anyway, so here we were at lunch. And, and I'm talking to Mike and to Scott and to Melissa about how challenged I feel. And so, so Mike looks at me, and, and to this day, I think it was just profound wisdom from God because he saw into me. And he said, well, you know, let me ask you a question. He said, how long were you sober when you relapsed? And I said, 71 days. 
And he just sort of looked at me with this all-knowing smile, and he said, and how long have you been sober today? And I said, uh, 72 days. And he looked at me and said, I knew you could do it. And that, to this, I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm overcome by emotion just thinking about that experience. I'll never forget that. Just see, I knew you could do it. And I could, you know, and, and 34 years later, you know, here I still am, you know. So if, if you are someone who's relapsed, come back. Come back to it. You can do it. You owe it to yourself. And then let others who love you benefit from what you are doing for you. But you can do it. Mike told me, and if I can do it, so can you. Then there is um, there's slow will. Slow will is a happy, grateful, recovering alcoholic. Slow will is my sponsor uh, because uh, Jack passed away a year and a half ago of, uh, of cancer. And uh, slow will was instrumental because slow will, now again, once again, he has been sober now 41 years, right? So I'm talking about some people who got a little bit of time. So which should show all of us that we can do this one day at a time for the rest of our life. So slow will was just a great, easygoing, Harley-riding, Pomona, California transplant to Las Vegas who always wanted to live in Missouri because that's the kind of guy he is. Just give him a fishing pole, give him a lake, and he's happy. He's a happy, grateful, recovered alcoholic. He taught me I could claim that. He said, if you do these things, the big book says you can be happy, grateful, and recovered. Then why not be? Don't let anyone take that from you. If it says it there and they have a problem with that, then their problem's not with you. Their problem is what is written in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then when I, when I relapsed and I came back, I had no place to live. I was to be homeless. But Will let me sleep on his couch. And and the funny story, and I've told it before, here I am sleeping on Will's couch, and about three weeks later, um, uh, Will said, uh, he came out one day, and he said, you know, Bobby, that, that's a convertible sofa. <laughs> here I was sleeping on, on the couch, on the outside of the couch, and uh, and the next couple of weeks while well, I still stayed until I could get my own apartment, till Buddy got me hooked up. You know, and I was able to get back to work. Um, I, I I slept comfortably on this convertible sofa, and then and then that brings me to to Jack, uh, Jack F. Jack Fisher. Uh, he's passed away now. I can use his name. Uh, was my sponsor for um, thirty three, uh, almost thirty three of my of my years at the time. Again, he passed away last year, and and. Jack was a mountain of a man, and Jack um, was the manager of the uh, Alano Club, the Turning Point, and then he became uh, the manager of Intergroup, which is essentially Central Office in Las Vegas, where he was for years. If you ever get to Las Vegas, go to Central Office and, and have people tell you about Jack, the legend of Jack Fisher, and Jack was always an easy-does-it guy. Keep it simple. And easy does it. And Jack was actually the secretary of the 6 a.m. meeting. 
and uh, and I always appreciated Jack's friendship and his loyalty. And and Jack throughout the years was a, a giant of a man. And if I ever needed anything, I just had to call him. And Jack would take something that would seem complicated and concerning, and he would simplify it and break it down. I remember there was one instant where, where to make a long story short, I, I left work abruptly because I had to be around alcohol, and it became so concentrated for me that it scared me to no end. And so I told my manager I was sick and I had to leave. So I got on my bike, didn't have a car at the time, got on my bike, and I rode from the Golden Nugget to the Alano Club there on, on 3rd Avenue in between a casino and Maine in Las Vegas there right over by Charleston, if you're very familiar with it. So I go into there, and Jack was there. He was, it was probably about 9, 9.30 at night, and he was still in his office. And I went, and I pounded on his door. And, and all I could do was, like, for 45 minutes, I was so nervous and so afraid I was going to relapse again. All I could do was stutter and cry. And so I told Jack what was going on. And, and he said to me, he said, well, if, if that was the problem and you were around alcohol, just then why were you there? He was very, very almost insinuating. And, and I said, well, I, that's where I work. And he said, okay, so that's where you work. So, so you were there to, to do your job. And I said, well, of course I was, why else would I be there? And I'm super naive and I'm very defensive and I'm very upset, uh, even to his simple questions. And he said, so your motive, your reason for being there was not to be around alcohol, but your motive for being there is because that's your job and you need to do it, right? And I said, well, of course, Jack. I don't, I don't want to drink. I don't want to do that. And he said, then why not just go do your job? Isn't that simple? Wasn't that profound? And he said, he said, Bob, it, it's not what you do. It's, it's your motive for what you're doing it. You could be doing something that appears to be safe, but your motives are bad, and it could it's going to turn out negative because your motive for being there is not a good one. On the other hand, you're around alcohol, and that would appear to be dangerous for an alcoholic, but your motive to be there is a good motive. Why not go back and do your job? And, and that was it. And, and I got up and I left his office and I went back to work that night, told my boss I was feeling better, and I, and I never looked back. The profound nature of the people that I have been involved with have been incredible. The last person that I want to share with you, because we all need a family member, right? All these other people were all program people in recovery and all the things that they did for me. I have a sister, and her name is Mary. And you know, when you, when you do some of the things that you and I do along the way, there's not many people left standing. We've, we've scared them all away. They're angry. They're disillusioned. They're disappointed. They're frustrated. They're lonely. There's so many things. They lose compassion because it's always going to be better or I'm not going to do it again. They've thrown so much money at the problem. They know that's not going to help anymore. And sometimes they just give you up for dead. But they don't even believe you when you're serious and you want to change. 
but not my sister Mary. My sister Mary, when I was a year sober, and I wanted to leave Las Vegas and move back to Southern California to begin a, a new life, I reached out to some family members and my sister Mary in particular, and I said, hey, this is this is what I want to do. I want to come back to Southern California, and obviously I need a place to stay. I had a job. I was going to be a, a, um, a dinner waiter at uh, Black Angus Restaurant in Fullerton, California, which I subsequently became the manager of. And uh, I said, Mary, would, would you help me out? And her and her husband, Brent, uh, they talked about it. I came out and chatted with them, and they said, sure, let's give it a go. And to this day, my sister Mary is so dear to me and such a good friend of mine. And and she believed in me uh, when when others didn't. And, and I gave them good reason to. I don't fault anyone for not believing in me because, you know, uh, we usually uh, help people shape or form the image uh, that um, that they have uh, of us, and we we teach them how to to treat us. Uh, but all these people on the list are are instrumental. They were so positive. To this day, I communicate obviously with with those who um, who uh, are still alive. You know, there's even Richard uh, Richard H. And Richard. Uh, was also uh, a sponsee of Jack, and uh, Richard uh, has got a couple more weeks on me. He's got uh, 34 years, still lives in Las Vegas, and we still communicate, and he's still doing it too. You know, the the common the common thread with everyone that I mentioned on this list, whether they're living or they're if they if they passed away, they passed away sober. If they're still living, they're still sober, they're still doing what they were doing 34 years ago when I met them. That tells you a little bit of something. So if you wonder if you can do this or not, the answer should be pretty obvious based on those along the way. So do you have a list? I I hope that you do. Let me give you a few things to consider, and these will be in the notes. So again, you can copy them down later. But here are some things that I think you should consider. If you don't have a list, I mean, just a list, not not just a thought, but a list of people um, that you have, and write these people down, and why are they significant? Um, and what are they doing that makes them not only significant in the beginning of your journey, but significant along the way? So so who is on your list, right? And hopefully by now you're smiling because when I think of these people, I smile. You know, even with Scotty, Scott Brickner, Scotty B, heads up, welcome home, sober living in Southern California. Um, Scott's got 13 years of personal recovery now and just a, a giant in helping people. He's got five homes for women in recovery and reunification, and, and he and Melissa and the rest of the managers there are just doing an incredible job, and, and gosh, it, it can be done. Scotty's on my list as well. Who's on your list? Why 
are they on your list? Don't just have them on your list. I, I want you to be able to walk through, just like I was able to walk through and tell you why these people are significant in a very impacting and very individualized way, impacting all areas of my life. How are they impacting you to this day? How? What are they still doing? How are you still allowing them to be an influence in your life? And then number four, do we contribute to others as they contributed to us? You know, again, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. So do we do that? You know, I try to do that. I try to take the characteristic of all these individuals who were so profoundly influential in my life, and I try to be those things to other people. Because if I needed them to be those things to me when I first got there, and you needed those people to be those things to you when you got to your place of recovery, don't you think that the people coming in after us need the same thing from us? And one of the nice things is we have so many different influences that we can put on different hats, or maybe we can help identify what they're looking for based on what we were needing in our life, and we can either meet that need for them or point them in that direction where they can get that need met. I want to encourage you to uh, write the names of these people on the template of your heart. Write them down. I can go through this list. These individuals are on my heart, and I refer to them. If you listen to any of my podcasts, I refer to them quite regularly because they're always before me. And When I get back to Las Vegas, I spend time with them. When I get to Southern California, I see Scotty and the team over there at Welcome Home. These are my family. They're important to me. They live with me. I even message them on social media or, or their cell phone and say, hey, what's going on? How are you? Let's always hold them near and dear. I really believe that the, the sweet memory of those from our past helped give us a positive, reflective present and set the stage for what we would want to be a very exciting future. I hope this has helped. I hope it's been encouraging you as, as I take us down memory lane, not, not for me as much as I want it for you. I want you to have those along the way. I want you to be able to be so wonderfully reflective on the things that have contributed so much to your life. And when you do that, would you let them know how important they are to you? I think that's important. Please go to recoveryguy.org. Please share this podcast. Please register for the newsletter. Please, um, uh, please uh, make sure that you um, let others know what we're doing here, whether it's the blog, the podcast, the newsletter. If you need to bring me on as your personal life and recovery coach, um, if you need to get me in as a, as a personal or motivational or topical speaker, let me know what that looks like so I can get you on calendar. You know, at the end of the day, we're in this together. And I want you to know that the Recovery Guy team is always here for you. And as always, my name is Robert, and I am 
the recovery guy.